Welcome to the show here with my dad. On this episode of the Infinite Option Guide podcast, we talk with Terry Marcroft about our new book, Pro Family, Pro Adoption. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infinite Adoption Guide podcast. My name is Tim Elder. This is the podcast all about domestic infant adoption. It's where we help you shorten the time and decrease the cost to go on your adoption journey, make it less stressful for you, reach the dream of becoming parents as I have done three times. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening. And I ask you, please share the show with anybody that uh, you may may be thinking about domestic infant adoption and uh, could get some use out of it. There's a lot of great stuff, great content that we got in this show. This is a very special episode as we have Terry Marcroft back on, but her and I actually wrote a book called Pro Family, Pro Adoption. And it's really the stories and facts and resources and call to action for Christians and really anybody, but specifically for Christians to really get the word about out about adoption. And we, there's our personal stories in there. There's a personal stories from other people in this book. And it's just amazing content that we put together and wrapped up in this book that you can get on as an ebook or a hard copy on Amazon. And it's available. You can just search for pro family, pro adoption, or you can go to my link at infiniteadoptionguide.com forward slash pro family book. And I'll put the link in the show notes at infiniteadoptionguide.com in the podcast. This is episode 107. So if you do that, you can and go to that link. You can actually get some bonus audio of Terry and I talking about a book because we share our personal stories and insights and like how the book came together and what we've done and what was our favorite parts and what we've learned. A lot of great stuff and just some a bonus podcast episode just for you for buying that book through Amazon. And all you have to do is if you go to infiniteoptionguide.com forward slash pro family book, it'll tell you how to get that bonus content when you purchase the book. Infiniteoptionguide.com slash pro family book. Let's get into that interview right now with Terry Marcroft. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Infant Adoption Guide podcast. We welcome back to the show today, Terry Marcroft. She's been our guest a couple of times on the show. She's a mom through adoption and founder of unplannedgood.org, which is a wonderful nonprofit organization, encourages not uh, all of us really to consider helping support women to make an adoption plan when facing an unplanned pregnancy, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today because Terry and I... I've been working on a book called Pro Family Pro Adoption, a Christian's Guide to Unplanned Pregnancy. So welcome back, Terry. How are you? Thank you so much, Tim. It's always fun to team up with you and talk adoption. <laughs> yeah, and it's been so much fun putting this book together. And uh, we're going to talk all about that and and more. And it's what's been so much fun for me, I guess, is just seeing this all come together. You know, it's been kind of a, a dream of mine and a uh, something I've always wanted to do was just put to book, put a book together. And so thankfully I have not done this by myself. <laughs> you as an expert author, and I've done this uh, several times before, uh, invited me to join you on this journey, which has been fabulous and wonderful and certainly an honor of mine to help you with this. So let's talk about the book, uh, yes. pro family, pro adoption, a Christian's guide to unplanned pregnancy. Um, it's, it's, a really uh, kind of a labor of love, I guess, really for you. I mean, it's embodied everything into your organization, uh, but why why this book? Why, why now from your point of view? Tim, I think it's important to talk about it now. We're a little bit more than a year beyond the overturning of Roe. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of states clamped down on abortion following that decision because it was left to the states, as we all know. Um, But when people are saying no to abortion, we were thinking that it's really important to say yes to some kind of a positive and constructive solution. Because you just can't say no. My dad always said, bring a, <laughs> bring a solution if you're going to complain about something. So we are bringing a solution and it's uh, placing for adoption. And so the book is talking about why that is a viable option. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as both of us being adoptive parents, both of us Christians, you know, we, we believe this book's kind of a wake up call or and it's also an information resource and it's also a guide and it's also a story about how mm-hmm. we can all do better to support those yes. women around us who are going to go through or will go through an unplanned pregnancy. I mean, we can show her there's just a loving and life-giving choice in adoption and in open adoption, even that may be something a lot of people in the U S I think we found out a lot of people don't even understand what open adoption is. So we also go th- through that in the book. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's what makes this is just amazing uh, a resource and story it's not just a resource. It's not just a story. It's not just a guide. It's all of that stuff packed into mm-hmm. this book. And and it's a call as well, especially as us Christians, how we can re-examine ourselves and re-examine the church and how we respond to unplanned pregnancies in the U.S. Exactly. Um, wow. what, and what I, I guess some people might ask, and they've already asked me when I was just talking about the book and, and talking about writing it and putting it together and publishing it and all that. And they're like, well, why Christians? Why, why are you specifically <laughs> saying that this is a guide specifically for Christians? What would you say to that? I did write a book targeted towards the pro-choice audience. It actually left God out of the conversation and just didn't appeal from a moral standpoint, but from a um, informational, factual standpoint. And with this book, you and I had the freedom to incorporate our faith. And to rely on the Bible and to refer to scripture. And it just makes the whole thing so much richer and so much more powerful. And at the same time, the other reason why it's a Christian's guide is because um, Christians, or you could say the church in particular, seems to shy away from this conversation and seems to just t- do, do what they can to avoid this conversation and it seems like instead of being judgmental about the woman who shows up with an unplanned pregnancy, because that's a lot of our first reaction is to shame her or to talk about how she got there or what she did wrong or what we're all doing wrong to lead to this unplanned pregnancy epidemic in our country. If we were to just meet her where she is, which is what we hope the church will do in all difficult circumstances, meet her where she is and say, okay, you're pregnant. And that wasn't the plan. So where do we go from here? And to have the um, decision-making process enlightened by faith and underlined with scripture, it just makes it makes us so much more capable of advising. Well, I think. Absolutely agree. I mean, in the first story in the book, I mean, other than yours that you, you, you wrote in the preface, but the first story of the book is from a birth mom and she talks about being judged mm-hmm. and she talks about even from her own family, trying to get that acceptance and what do I do and how do I tell them? And, and she goes through that process of how she did that. Uh, I think why this guide specifically for Christians is you're right. I mean, you, we even give statistics in the book of why or how the church ju- does actually judge 
single women who are pregnant and can't handle or maybe are not prepared to help these women that are sitting in the pews next to us. And that's right. not the problem. That's a big problem. And that's, a, that's what we, that's why I feel like a, this is kind of a wake up call to us Christians and us, the church in general is if those women are sitting next to you, what are you doing? How can you help them? Right. And, right. And, and I've heard so many women say that they would much rather go to confession than show up yeah. in church with an unplanned pregnancy you Man. know, because they do feel that they're shamed and they don't feel like their their home church is going to be helpful or even be compassionate, much less helpful. And that makes me sad that I think we could change that. And that was part of the reason um, for calling this book what we did is the call to action. We would love to see the church change its behavior in this topic and to reach out, be more helpful be more compassionate, be less judgmental, and actually just meet these women where they are and yeah. and figure out how we're going to protect life from there and then then help her make the decisions that are best. Yeah, and I think that's why this book also helps us with educating the church. Educate and the church is us. We are the church. We but are the church. But educating us on what adoption really is and open adoption specifically, what that is. And, and that's back to that same story from that birth mom is, is she didn't know what open adoption was. She was like, I, I want to close. I was sure I wanted to close adoption. Well, mm -hmm. she didn't know what an open adoption was. And then she mm -hmm. learned about it and went, oh, well, I don't want anything but an open adoption. So getting that information into the hands of us, we, the church, will help us be more sympathetic and empathetic and understanding and supportive of these women because we are armed with more information that that's right. a huge part of the book in my opinion right yeah and the other part of that too is that out of all the women who choose abortion it's something like 70 percent of them feel that they are pressured into it so if they're pressured into it, and th then that means to me that they really actually do value the life and they would prefer to choose life, but they just can't parent right now. Right. And if that feels like she's between a rock and a hard place, she wants to choose life, but she can't parent. It's just not happening in her life right now. So if she can't parent, this is the beautiful solution. Let someone else parent then, mm -hmm. but go through with the pregnancy and and then choose the parents. It can be very empowering when, when the woman finds out how many choices are actually up to her. Absolutely. And that's comes to the main thought or an idea or message of the book is, is what we ask in there is called the million dollar question, which is why do only 1% or so of the women facing unplanned pregnancy actually choose adoption. I mean, that statistic is shocking. I mean, isn't it? Isn't 1%? It? Are you yes. kidding me? Yes. It, it's, I always get a shocked reaction when I share that. Yes. One out of a hundred of these women facing unplanned pregnancy will choose adoption. And it's hard. You know, we admit in the book that it's hard. There's a whole of chapter course. called it's hard. Yes. And we know that. And, and uh, the difference though, is that, long-term view versus the short-term view because lots of things that are difficult in the short term turn out to be the best for you in the long term yeah so let's break down the book real quick i'm not going to read out off every chapter or anything like that because uh, i want you the listener to go get the book and, and check it out for yourself but i want to give you an idea what the book how it's kind of laid out 
So we laid it out in four parts. So part one is uh, unplanned pregnancy, the core of the problem in the U.S. So we break down kind of what the problem is and how the million dollar question that we just talked about, the 1%. And then we talk about what um, unplanned pregnancy looks like in the U.S. We talk about adoption in general. We One chapter is really, I love this one, not your grandma's adoption, because that's talking about adoption today versus maybe what you, the listener, may know what adoption is from 40 years ago or from what Hollywood says it is. That's an important chapter because that also leads into open adoption, talking about that. And then, like you said, adoption is hard. What It's not easy. But what is it? What does adoption is? And that's all about part one. Part two is, can we talk? We're getting an honest conversation about what the realities of the choices are. The abortion choice, single parenting choice, the truth about those options and what they mean to women and mean to the children. Then part three is getting to the heart of the adoption, which is the triad. We tell three different perspectives, the birth parent perspective, adoptee perspective, and adoptive parent perspective, which I get I'm blessed to be able to put my perspective in there. That's the adoptive parent part. So you get to read a little bit of my story in there in part three. And then part four, we get into the invitation part the solution, like you talked about, not just providing a problem, but the solution. So we have several chapters in there and just inviting different types of people, inviting men, inviting churches, inviting parents and grandparents, inviting educators. And I love, I'm going to ask about this in a little bit, but one, the last chapter of that part is calling for true sisterhood. And I want, I want to ask you about that in a minute, Terry, but that part, that chapter is really, really powerful. So we'll talk about that in a minute. And then we conclude the whole book with birth mother's reflections. So it starts out with the birth mother reflection and it ends with the birth mother reflection. And that's really, really powerful. And the back of the book is one of my favorite parts too, because it's just packed full of resources. So not only are we presenting what the issue is and educating you about adoption and helping you to invite your, to you to suggest and influence and help the women around you, but then we're going to give you the resources on what to do with it. Anything you want to add to that, Terry? Great summary, Tim. Nice job. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it was, I almost read through all the chapters, actually. It went a lot longer than I wanted to, but anyway, I wanted to give you guys, the, the listener, really an idea of what the book is all about without uh, actually being able to pick it up. So when you do, you'll know, you'll know. Um, so as we talk about the church and one part in the book, we ask, well, what if the church, and I think you came up with this term, I'm pretty sure you did. You said, what if the church was the first place a woman with unplanned pregnancy ran to rather than running away? We talked about a little bit about that, but what do you, can you explain that a little bit more? Like, what does that mean? Isn't it a shocking thought though? Yes. If you're faced with a crisis pregnancy, to be able to turn to the church. Yeah. That because should be a historically, <laughs> sorry? It should be a no-brainer, yeah. <laughs> it should be, yeah. But it should be a no-brainer because historically the church has been so helpful to so many aspects of society. The church started the first schools, the church started the first hospitals, the church started the first soup kitchens or homeless shelters. The church has done so much to improve society when people were facing very difficult challenges. But somehow we haven't had it together 
when they're facing unplanned pregnancy. So if we could just add that to the list, that that's a place where the people need to need to rely on their faith and they need to rely on Christ and they need to pray to get them through it. And, and the church should be such a natural place to go when that's the, when that's the situation. Absolutely. So you're saying, what does it look like? (laughs) So first it starts with helping her think through the options so that she can choose life without that feeling of being so overwhelmed that her next 20 years are going to be devoted to parenting. Like help her to choose life and make it manageable or make it less scary. Somehow make it something that doesn't just overwhelm her completely. And then after that, there's all, you know, all the other ways that we help many, many uh, families, you know, we help with food or shelter or clothing or babysitting or whatever. There's lots of ways that we help the families in our church communities. And so it just, it seems odd to me when we talk through it, that the church is absent from this conversation. Yeah, it is odd. And one thing, and I know Terry, you probably not have heard me say this, but I'm going to recently, I was talking about the book and this little story came out and it shocked me. And so it's not a very long story, but someone I know was single woman that had an unplanned pregnancy and didn't know what to do. And she was scared and frightened and, uh, didn't know where to turn and tried to turn to the church and the church didn't accept her. And not only did the church not accept her, but the church, and I say the church and and maybe this was a individual decision. I don't know, but the pastor of the church came to her house and I guess out of compassion, offered her money and said, don't come back to the church. And to me, I mean, I, it just pains me to my core. Oh, yes. It, it, it's actually the opposite, everything opposite of what we as Christians and we as the church need to be about. And that's the call of this book. Yes. Yes. That, that breaks my heart to, to have the church say, don't come back. Yes. That's, that's should never ever happen. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets me to the point where I wanted to ask you about calling for the true sisterhood. That was one of our, our chapters. Um, and you wrote it so beautifully and well, it's just, but I wanted you to add, to go explain it a little bit. What does the calling of true sisterhood mean and why it was important to put it in the book? So true sister said, I, I grew up in a family where, uh, with five sisters. So I have five sisters today. <laughs> yep. And when I think about my love for my sisters and you could take it figuratively or you could take it literally. But when I think about the love I have for my sisters, I want the very best for them in every aspect of their life in every way. And so when I think of one of them facing an unplanned pregnancy now, to be able to consider counseling her or advising her inside of the backdrop of the unintended consequences of abortion or the unintended outcomes of single parenting. To me, the whole prospect of choosing adoption has been elevated with everything that I've learned about the downsides of the other two. 
Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Now that we know all the harm that abortion does to Mm -hmm. a woman's body, and we know all of the uh, intense challenges of single parenting and how that compromises both the woman and the child. When we look at those two sets of downsides, and then we look at the intense, beautiful upsides of adoption as it's practiced today, very unlike the past, as it's practiced today, that makes, in my mind, adoption is elevated now to one of the best choices if you want to choose life, but you can't choose parenting. It's elevated to a healthy, nurturing, natural um, uplifting, empowering choice. And that's what I want for my sisters. I want them to be able to take hold of their future and embrace their current situation, make all their decisions for themselves, um, be completely informed about the pros and cons of all of their choices. And with all of that information, you know, to walk alongside them as they choose a healthy option. And so that's why the sisterhood part was important just because of that love means that we put um, put the other person's well-being above our own, right? So that's what adoption's all about is putting the well-being of someone else above your own, but not just not just that, but to let them make these healthier decisions. It's really just wanting the best for my sisters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's why having all of that other information uncovered uh, empowers us through information. Yeah. And sisters in this sense is a lot more than just your blood related sisters. It's your sisters in your church. Right. All those sisters in your church. All, all those, sisters. those sisters. Yeah. The whole, the big, big yes. picture of sisterhood. It could be all the women in the country. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the last sentence or a couple sentences you wrote in that chapter says, show that you have, got the back of the woman you love show her what true christian christian sisterhood looks like protect her love her pray for her help her understand what open adoption is today that's that's what that chapter is about and that's uh, i love that how you put that in the book and that's a huge part of the calling of all of us uh to see and to actually do (laughs) get some action uh, out of the book yeah so i love that uh and i appreciate you putting that in there uh when we're talking about, I mentioned this before too, one of the chapters called Not Your Grandma's Adoption. And we alluded to it a little bit here with the the open adoption concept. So just in case somebody's not list, listening to this and no idea what open adoption is, and they're going, well, yeah, what so open, closed, who cares? What we're talking about here is uh, open adoption is, is having some level of contact or even a relationship with the birth mom. So what does that mean? After a baby is placed with a family or child's placed with a family, that adoptive family actually has some contact with the birth family. Either it could be the birth mom, the birth dad, the birth grandma, but has some kind of contact with that family, stays in contact with them. And not only, not just for the adults in the situation, but the child, the child, the center of this whole adoption. And, and that's the beauty of the open adoption uh, relationship and the and the reason for it is to help all involved, but especially the child. Anything you wanted to add to that, Terry? I think you did a good job. I would only say that the way that I think about it tends to be that it's about possibility. 
so there's no mandates on the relationship and there's no frequency directives, you know, about how often visits need to happen or, or any of that. It's more just that it's all possible. So if the birth parents and the adoptive parents can agree on whatever they want that relationship to look like, they can make that happen. Mm. And if they commit to some kind of openness, then, um, then the it's possible for them to just decide on all the parameters and whatever works for all the parties involved but you can get you can access then some uh information it leaves open a world of possibilities in terms of how it's structured um but the most important part is just that the the truth is out there it's transparent so people know what's going on and the child most important understands um, what the circumstances were that his his or her birth mother was facing. And so he knows more about his story than he otherwise would with a closed adoption. Absolutely. And that's yeah. very healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've experienced that there are three adoptions and just having different levels and different ways of, of having that relationship with our kids as birth parents. It's, mm-hmm. it's been huge, uh, not just for us, but uh, huge for our kids just to see and know where they came from and, uh, know what their story is. And then we share a little bit more of their stories with them as they get older. They don't know everything, but uh, they will just when they get yeah. older, they keep getting to know some more and more and more. And they have that communication anytime, they right. pretty much anytime they want to. So it's totally natural for a child to want to know where he came from. Yes. That's a, an innate curiosity that kid, all kids have. All kids want to know the story yeah. about when they were born right. and how all that happened. Yeah. And for adoptees, it really helps them process like, what, mm-hmm. what did that mean? Why did they do it? What happened? Mm-hmm. How did I end up with you? <laughs> yeah, Those kind of yeah. questions really do come out. We're seeing that even more and more as our kids get older. And that's, you're right. It's, it's, it's healthy. It's not easy. I wouldn't say everything's like hunky dory and, oh, we just have all the answers and everything's fine. And everybody processes it perfectly. That's not the case. I'm not saying it's easy, but it, it is so much more healthy than I can't even imagine our kids going, Oh, what happened? And I have all these questions and you have no answers. I would be right. so paralyzed. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. It's even... good to have those answers. It's good for the child to know. One of the things that's really good for them to know is that the birth mother had a difficult road, that it's a difficult choice to make. Yes. And if they realize that she made it anyway for the child's own good to place him with parents who were equipped to parent, then the child can understand better that he or she is loved, was loved and is loved. Because otherwise, with no information, you can all you can often think that, you know, the child did something. The child would say to himself, what did I do that made my mom give me up? You know, and that's not the scenario we want playing in a child's mind. No. That's very harmful. But if they realize that their mo- their first mom made that decision out of love, that's a whole different ball game. That's a really beautiful thing to know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in the the stories that uh, we put in the book, uh, one of them is uh, Ricky's par- birth parent story. And the very first thing he says in there is of two things I am certain that my daughter loves me and that I made the right choice. I am a birth father. And 24 years ago, I chose to place my daughter, Sophie in a open adoption. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's powerful. And his story is powerful. Uh, when you go to read it in the book, you will be, 
uh, just blown away, I guess, about the emotions and the things that you read and hear and, and just pulling you through their stories as you read them. Uh, they're very, very powerful parts of the book. Right. You know, one of the, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the reasons that Ricky's story is very impactful and why we really wanted to include it was because uh, it's the man in the scenario mm -hmm. where the woman is facing an unplanned pregnancy. And often we think he has nothing to do with it or he doesn't have a right to chime in on the decision-making for the unplanned pregnancy. But Ricky did. And uh, he did feel that he was very involved and he has remained involved now that Sophie is 24 years old. So he was very much affected by the whole thing. And his role as a birth father is something that he takes seriously still today. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting and powerful. Yes. Yep. Um, one of the things, I mean, we've talked a lot about the book and why we, we like the book and why we think the book is powerful and all the things that are in the book. Uh, but what we've done is also collect some quotes from various folks all are in and around the adoption world uh, about about the book and you know, allowed them to look at it, allowed them to say, hey, what would you say about this book? And so we've included a lot of those quotes on the back of the book, on the inside of the book. Um, and I wanted to ask you, Terry, which one or two of your favorite and why, but while you think about that, I'm going to tell you or tell everybody what my favorite one, which is from Matt Burke. And I don't know if you're not familiar with his name, uh, he was an uh, NFL player. He was a Super Bowl champion, but he's also a pro-life advocate. He's a dad of eight and he knows adoption. And he, here's his quote uh, because it calls out men. And he says, this book reminds us that God calls men to lead their families and their households. Fathers and partners need to advocate for the women they love, especially when they face an unplanned pregnancy. Open adoption is a loving, positive response worth careful consideration. So I love that because he certainly calls out men as a guy, he's calling out men and we have a chapter all about that too, inviting men to lead. And so that's why that's one of my favorite quotes. What about you, Terry? Um, I think that it's, I'm torn in figuring out uh, who, who's my favorite because Terry Froman is a pastor at a huge church in Tennessee, and she talks about the church's role and being ready to step up. And Valerie Hill is the CEO of the Bay Area Network of uh, Medical Clinics, Women's Clinics, and they are becoming more, uh, more and more comfortable, I'd say, suggesting adoption to their patients. And, you know, where there's, they've been historically the medical clinics or the crisis pregnancy centers have been really focused on helping women to avoid abortions, but they're starting to talk more about adoption. And so um, I value her very highly for doing a, a rough job in a very liberal area. So I appreciate Valerie Hill's quote in there as well. Yeah, there's a lot of, of great quotes. And mm -hmm. uh, the reason for that is not that well, we have to, we want to get everybody to <laughs> help us promote the book, but to, to get people uh, other people's opinions. And I think at least when I'm looking at a book, especially I'm looking at the back of the book, I'm going, Oh, I should, I read this book. And I'm literally reading the quotes going, Oh, that I, that makes a lot of sense. And that, that sparks a thought in my head or a, a really a, a reason for me to pick up that book and go, yeah, I need to 
dig into this and, and take a look at it. So hopefully that does that for you, the listener as well, because, um, don't just take our word for it because we're, we're in the middle of it. We're like, we're all about the book, but uh, we definitely want uh, you to get uh, opinions from other people as well to mm-hmm. hopefully spark your interest in the book. So I wanted to talk about the resource section at the back of the book. There's so many things in there, uh, not just websites, but um, books, uh, podcasts, um, adoption agencies. Um, there's just a ton of stuff in there. Uh, but one of my favorites is the care for pregnant women section. Now, I remember when you first shared this graphic with me, Terry, I was kind of blown away by it because it's the graphic says women have re- real choices. And the mm-hmm. very first or the, oh, the sentence at the top says there are 14 women's health and pregnancy centers for every Planned Parenthood. And it just shows the dots all over the United States. And that, that part, that's just such a powerful graphic to me. And there's so many organizations that are spelled out in the resource sections that absolutely care for pregnant women and there's so it's not something just to say okay here's a book about adoption why you well, adoption is important and how come we aren't considering it and what's the church doing about it but here's where to go to help the women in right. their life right and so part of the reason so the resources section is extensive as you point out and part of the reason we thought that was extremely important was because the whole book is calling on people to suggest adoption and to encourage women to choose adoption and then to support them through the journey. And so in order to do that, maybe everybody doesn't feel capable about that until they get more immersed in the topic and understand how open adoption works. But also, if they know that there are a whole ton of resources to draw on, they can lean on all those organizations. They can lean on their local adoption agency. They can lean on their local uh, women's medical clinic or crisis pregnancy center. They can lean on all those resources and use them to help empower the advisor, the mentor, or the parent who's... uh, advocating for adoption. So we're not in this alone because it might seem to be a little bit of an overwhelming task to take on that advocacy on your own without preparation. But that's why the resources are there to say there are a lot of people who can help along this journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very, very powerful. And it's a great way to to end the book because you have a call to action at the end, uh, towards the end of the book with all those chapters that are talking about the call to action, but then uh, here's something you can do. Here's where to go. Mm -hmm. Here's what you can do. Uh, So that's a a super great way to end the book. Um, As we end this podcast and uh, I want to ask you, Terry, why, I mean, we kind of talked about all throughout the book or throughout this podcast, but why should folks listening to this go get that book and share it or get read it and share it. Yeah. I think, I think to start with the part one, some of the data is just overwhelming. Yes. Like the, the United States leads the world, leads the Western world, especially where you would think we could be doing a better job. We lead in unplanned pregnancy. We lead in teen pregnancy. We lead in uh, single parent households. We could be doing so much better to care for both the young women of our society and the next generation. So I think the data hits you over the head and says, this is an actual problem that um, we could face and we could actually help to solve as well. 
So that's one reason to get the book is just to understand the data. But secondly, or I have like my top 200 reasons for this, (laughs) but uh, secondly is understanding, especially the harm that abortion does to a woman's body, Mm. because nobody's talking about that. And there's no way you'll ever hear that in a pro-choice society. If you're only listening to the narrative that comes from Planned Parenthood. And so Uh, understanding what it does to a woman's body. Most of that information came from a huge variety of studies, but a lot of the studies were uh, summarized and uh, summarized by the APLOG, the American Association of Pro-Life GYNs. And they do some amazing work that documents from a medical standpoint, because they're all uh, gynecologists and obstetricians. And they document all of these, the harms that's done to women's bodies. And so that is not information that you can get anywhere else, really, summarized in this way so that it's talking points and you can take it to heart and then share it with somebody else. So I think that's a pretty important section of the book. And then thirdly, I'm really in love with all of Allie Watson's work, where in the preface, she talks about facing her unplanned pregnancy and how she made the adoption decision. And then in the afterward, at the very end, she has a story of hindsight, go, looking back 10 years later after placement of her daughter, Olivia, with the adoptive parents, Sean and Cheryl. And she talks about her relationship with the adoptive parents so that you know all of it's in the interests of her child, Olivia. And she's just able to look back with the hindsight of 10 years and tell you how it is today. So that those bookends, I think, are are powerful as well. Absolutely, I couldn't uh, agree more with all that. <laughs> I, I don't even know <laughs> if I could add to that. That was very well, very well <laughs> said, very well put out. Uh, yeah. Let's let's close here with uh, well, when the book's going to be available. Which by the time you are listening to this, the book will be available, and you can get it on Amazon. Uh, first and foremost, that'd be the easiest place to do it. And uh, when this gets released initially, uh, you, the listener, are going to have a special uh, way to get it and a special price. So I'm not going to tell you what that is because I want you to go to Amazon and look at it, but, and you, you will get it, you will get it as well, uh, through, uh, our connection through email and through our social media. So you will find out what that is, but we have a special, especially this, as this book gets released during national adoption month, which is November, uh, you will, you'll see that special and, uh, get it. And you can connect with Terry at unplannedgood.org. And you can connect with me at infantadoptionguide.com. And I just wanted to close with this uh, very well written uh, dedication, very short, but the dedication at the front of the book. And it just says to the almost 2 million American couples out there, ready, willing, waiting, and hoping to adopt a baby. May God give you faith to persevere in your trials and wait patiently on the Lord. That is so true because Terry and I have lived it and we're, we were there and we've adopted. And to you, the listener that are, are waiting and hoping to adopt a baby, you are in our prayers. And uh, we hope you get this book and, and share it because it really is a powerful uh, calling and a powerful resource for all of us, um, but especially as Christians, to uh, take out into the world into, into our churches and support those women around us. It was a pleasure to work with you on this book. Uh, certainly uh, the honor uh, was mine as you asked me to join you on this. Um, you're the 
the expert uh, author in the situation. And uh, I was very happy to uh, come along on this ride with you. Glad to have done it with you. All right. Take care, Terry. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tim. Take care. All right. Awesome. Awesome episode with Terry. Love talking with her. Love this book. I hope you can get it and share it. You know, even buying an extra copy and giving it to some family or friends uh, that don't know about adoption, or maybe they need just to learn about it. Maybe you're going through the adoption process and you want to help educate them. Uh, There's some great stuff in there too uh, that will help educate people on adoption and the resources there. And like I said, oh man, that back of the book resources section is amazing. But just the stories and facts and figures and the call to action. I just love how this whole book came together. And I'm glad we were able to do this podcast to help explain a little bit more about what the book is about. So if you go want to go get the book, it's available on Amazon right now. You can just search for Pro Family Pro Adoption Book. You can either search for Terry Marcroft's name or myself. Or an even easier way to get it is through a link that I have, infantadoptionguide.com forward slash pro family book. Now, if you do that, we got an extra special bonus audio for you that we talk about our personal stories, our personal backstories, insights, what we learned about in the book. And you can get this free extra audio, kind of an extension of this podcast. If you buy the book and tell us that you bought the book and at that link, it'll show you exactly how to get that bonus audio. InfiniteOptionGuide.com forward slash pro family book. And all the highlights and everything we talked about on today's show will be in the show notes, InfiniteOptionGuide.com forward slash 107. And if you would, please help me get this podcast into the ears of more adoptive families just like you, more people that want to learn about adoption, don't know where to go. If you leave an honest review over at iTunes, it would really help us out. InfiniteAdoptionGuide.com forward slash iTunes will get you there. Or any if you just go into iTunes, you'll see, uh, or your favorite podcast app anyway. It doesn't have to be iTunes. But you can go to your favorite podcast app and just leave a review and a rating. That would be great. I appreciate you. And until next time, you are in my prayers as you go on the journey to adopt your special little one. God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.